one of the main things that we wanted to achieve was to sort of interrupt or sort of break free from the uh, relentless image economy that we're constantly circulating in. And so returning to the voice, to the human voice, was something that was really important to us in, in coming up with this party line. This is Jake Matetiao. He's a lecturer in the UCLA Department of Architecture and Urban Design, as well as a designer and writer and the founder of PartyLine. This is Works in Progress, a production of the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. I'm Avishai Artsy. Just after we began physical distancing, Jake had an idea. What if every week there was a phone number strangers could call to talk to each other? The party line is based on an old technology that dates back to the late 1800s. A party line was a shared telephone line often used in remote, rural places. The line served for emergencies, but also became a place to gossip and listen in on other people's conversations. That was the basis of a 1935 movie called Party Wire. Oh, hello, Clara. I just got you call you. I've got my dishes washed and I thought I'd give you a ring. What kind of time did you have at Grandma Kern's party last night? Just so-so. Imagine her trying to pass off a 60. Hmm. If you ask me, she won't last the winter out. Did you hear that? Somebody's listening in. It's getting so you can't have any privacy at all. I've been on a party wire 15 years and I never listened in. I die first. Me too. I'll call you back later. Goodbye. That sense of voyeurism and anonymity made party lines a popular Hollywood trope. A party line brought together Rock Hudson and Doris Day in the 1959 hit Pillow Talk. I do hate to interrupt, but would you mind hanging up, please? Who's that? The other half of my party line. Just ignore her. She'll go away. You have been on this phone for half an hour. I've got an important call to make. I happen to consider this an important call. What, singing to a girl at 9 o'clock in the morning? It's none of your business what he does to me or when. Would you please get off this line? The phrase party line was later adapted to mean a conference call, usually that one paid to join. In the 80s, party lines became a popular place for teens or single people to meet each other, like a precursor to the internet chat room. Here's an ad for one such service. Bored again? Interested in a new way to meet people? Just pick up the phone and call 1-809-544-CHAT. There's a party waiting for you. It's the party line. Talk with a new group of friends 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The ad shows teens in costumes laughing into corded landline phones while confetti rains down. Ads like this played during after-school TV shows. Kids racked up hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars on their parents' phone bills. There were party lines for adults looking for hookups and others for fans of Star Wars, sports, Bible studies, and so on. Jake Matityau set up a free phone number, along with a website and Instagram account, PartyLine.us. His fiance Kate Merritt, posts pop culture images of actors and other celebrities talking into phones, along with info about the day and time for the next Party Line session and the theme for that week's discussion, such as wonder, failure, ritual, care, and play. Okay. Hello? Hello. Oh, hi, Jake. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. I talked to Jake on the phone just after he launched Party Line. We also talked about working remotely, something he was already very familiar with. 
I've been very comfortable with having communication and exchanges about design and architecture design in particular online. My partner, Kyle Hovenkotter, who uh, recently moved to Seattle, teaches at the University of Washington, also a design instructor. Uh, he and I have had a remote practice since, uh, I guess it's been six or seven years now, and it's always been mediated through online platforms. So he's always lived in New York since we've had our office and I've always lived in LA. And so we've had daily meetings using Google Hangouts, Zoom, GoToMeeting, most recently Zoom. So this is like very familiar to be able to communicate about design on the screen. But um, with the students, uh, I really miss the kind of collective learning uh, atmosphere and 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 having studio culture and the kind of group morale and the ability for students to look at each other's work and share drawing tips or model making tips and and just the the kind of collective atmosphere in a studio that that's been really hard to reproduce. I think it, it's great for small scale collaborations, but um, we're going to have to try to invent new ways of talking to each other and. I don't want to say recreating studio culture, but shifting to an online studio culture. And I, I totally welcome that. I think design education, it really needs a, a refresher. And so um, I'm hopeful and optimistic and encouraged by our students' willingness to adapt and talking to other instructors, their openness to um, kind of reinvent architectural pedagogy at least for this time, and hopefully we can fix things that we've carried over from previous ways of teaching architecture. So you're optimistic that we might learn some things during this period that we could bring back with us when things go, quote unquote, back to normal. Completely, especially the final review or let's call it the review formats in most architecture schools is usually uh, students pinning up their work or digitally presenting their work and having uh, invited critics and guests discuss their work. In, a, in an ideal format, it would be a conversation, but often it's critics speaking with each other and it becomes a little bit of a performance. And I also don't like the even the word for it, the jury format. So I think this is a great opportunity to have more of a dialogue than, than a one-way exchange. And I don't pretend to know exactly what that will become, but. That's one area that I'm very hopeful and optimistic that we can invent new ways of evaluating, assessing, and then ultimately, you know, just uh, being in a conversation with our students about the work that they've produced throughout the semester or term. Yeah, I imagine that a lot of workplaces could see radical transformations because right now we're in that phase where we're just trying to reproduce what office culture is like or, you know, studio culture. And now I think we're, like you said, we're given a chance to really rethink what that should be and maybe address some of the longstanding structural inequities within those systems. Yeah, I've been thinking about, yeah, about work. I'm a little bit afraid in terms of the weekday, now that our home has become also our office, and it was going that way anyway, I'm kind of afraid what's going to happen to Saturday and Sunday when we don't have the drive or the commute to give us that mental downtime from work to home life. Also, giving yourself time to not be productive, to let your mind wander and be okay with not doing anything productive or efficient or optimized. I'm a big fan of idleness and, and promote it wherever I can. Yeah, I think there's been sort of a resurgence in idleness. There's like a book called How to Do Nothing, 
yeah, there's been a lot of people railing against productivity culture. Yeah. Um, well, you, you have been thinking about new ways to communicate. And so one of the things that you've done in the last week is start a party line, which when I hear party line, I think of like the 80s when you would just like call into a 800 number and talk to strangers. And so that's kind of like what you've created. So can you talk about that project and why you created it? Yeah, as I mentioned before, um, my partner Kyle and I, we a few months ago, we were talking about our practice and what defines our practice from other architecture or design practices. And um, I'm not saying this is 100% unique to us, but one thing that we've always valued in our workflow is that when it came to time to defining what it is that we do is our practice is a conversation and a friendship. And that's what we hope to have with each other and also with our collaborators, our clients, contractors, everyone. We hope that it's a conversation and, and a friendship. Um, and in this case, it was a phone call and a friendship. And once we kind of hit on that idea of a phone call and a friendship, then it became very clear to us that we wanted to kind of pluralize that and say, like, wouldn't it be great if we could bring people together into conversation with one another that may never otherwise talk to one another? And so there are plenty of platforms for this. I think like a chat room would be one way to do it. And then all all different social media platforms enable this. But one of the main things that we wanted to achieve was to sort of interrupt or sort of break free from the uh, relentless image economy that we're constantly circulating in. And so returning to the voice, to the human voice, was something that was really important to us in, in coming up with this party line. And so the ability to listen, to speak, to be heard, to hopefully be understood, to have disagreements, to interrupt, to um, just give another person or a group of people your attention uh, is something that I was really, we were really moved by. And the idea that every week uh, it would change, it would change based on the group of people who were, who informally came together. We like the idea of having guest hosts, although a host is someone that for us is more of a facilitator than than someone who's directly moving the conversation. I think that the conversations should move wherever the participants take it. So in this way, really, the um, the form should accommodate and move toward the content as opposed to the other way around. Right. But when you're describing the role of a facilitator, it'd be like somebody giving prompts if, say, the conversation runs dry, but it wouldn't be like telling people what to say or not to say. Yeah, completely. Um, I think the power of the phone call is that if if you don't care for what's going on in the phone call, just hang up. And you know, if enough, if everybody hangs up, then the person who's kind of, hopefully, it doesn't go this way. I don't want to sound negative, but if the person who's like monopolizing the time or anything like that, it has no one to talk to, then then they have to hang up and it's over. But fortunately, we haven't encountered that. And uh, yeah, the role of the facilitator is, I guess, just to hold the space you know, and to create space for other voices to come in. There is a weekly prompt and this week's prompt was home. And home for so many people means so many different things. It could be the smell of cooking garlic or something because you grew up with that smell in the house, or it could be um, home uh, meaning uh, routines and rituals that define your domestic space. And home, uh, today we talked about the idea of the planet, you know, being a home for all kinds of 
creatures and things and diversity and that we share this planet with other beings that call the planet home. And what does that mean on a much more zoomed out planetary cosmological scale? And uh, the beauty, of, I think, of this conversation is that it's not scripted. Things come up as, as we move along and there's really nothing anyone's promoting. It's, it's just really um, unmediated uh, exchange and communication. At least that's the spirit of it anyway. I like it being a platform for exchange between people who would, who would um, not come into contact with each other's voice, let's say. And in that sense, we're also relearning habits and customs of being on the phone, which is a completely uh, strange experience for a generation who didn't grow up uh, talking on the phone. Yeah, it's a really very retro experiment. I mean, I think part of the reason that people might have a hard time with this type of conversation is that you miss the verbal indicators of when someone wants to speak. And like for me, when I'm on a group phone call, I tend to be quiet because I think that as soon as I say something, somebody else is going to talk over me. And so what I like about video chat is like you still can see the person and see when they're like prepared to jump in. Does that seem like a drawback to you or do you think the pluses outweigh that? Yeah, that's something that I definitely or we definitely thought about when devising this idea of party line. Uh, the truth is, is that in an ideal world, if we had time to develop it as a platform, we wanted to limit the number of active voices participating to say six people would be speaking at one time in a conversation. And the let's say there were 20 other people on the line those 20 other people would not be able to speak until one of the six dropped off. And then the next one in the queue would then become one of the six. And that way it would kind of contain the space to a select number of voices. And so it'd be more productive and for a more, uh, let's say, effortless exchange, as opposed to having 30 people on the line not knowing when to speak or when not to speak. That's something that we will develop and kind of iron it out the beauty of that model is hopefully that the six people, let's say, who started the conversation, let's say they hang up and they end up being listeners. And then six people who don't know each other, never met each other, have no idea where they are in the planet or who they are, would be able to talk to each other in this immediate way. I find that really beautiful as an idea. And so, yeah, there is some drawbacks to not being able to see the other person's face. I think Zoom and GoToMeeting and Google Hangout, those platforms are FaceTime, Skype, all that are really good for that. And this is an alternative to that. I personally like the ability to imagine a scenario in which someone in a post-COVID-19 world, when we're able to kind of go back outside and do our routines, someone being able to like order lunch, someone being able to drive their car, another person walking from one part of campus to another part of campus or something like that people going about their lives all over the world and uh, listening and talking to one another in this kind of very democratic and, and open space. And I keep calling it a space, but one thing that's also important to me is that it's, it's a form of community that's not dependent on physical space. And that as an architect might seem, or as a designer, uh, it might seem like uh, counterintuitive, but I like the idea that we're kind of um, thinking about architecture in an expanded way, that that this is a kind of, maybe it's not architecture, maybe it's in a kind of infrastructure or platform for modes of assembly, community, 
uh, and exchange that are independent of physical space. Mm -hmm. It does feel like there's sort of an attempt to recreate physical architecture within a virtual world. And I suppose one of the pluses of a physical party is that you can take people aside and have private conversations with them or choose who you want to have in your group, whether it's three or four or everyone at the party. Yeah, no, I, I like the idea of the breakout conversation, but uh, we, we would love to develop this uh, and create the infrastructure and platform for these side conversations or these breakout spaces to emerge. And most of the people that were invited to this are designers, is that right? So are you hoping to have conversations that are more about design? Well, yeah, we started with our community, which is, I guess, designers, architects, artists. Um, there were a number of non-architects participating um, in today's call, but I think those were more often than not listening. I would love to have as many voices as possible from as many professions and disciplines and fields as possible. And that also means age, uh, all, everything in terms of diversity, I want, I don't want to limit the conversation to architecture and design. Um, that's not the intention at all. I talk to enough architects and designers throughout the week and listen <laughs> and do enough listening there. So I would love to be able to, to hear other voices. And I think the other voices would, would like that too. I mean, just as a side note, I think architecture has a communication problem with the with the outside in terms of the public. So many times clients or people we meet at parties have no idea what it is that we do. And so if there are architects and designers who are calling in, this might be a good like training ground for them to listen to others and be able to kind of share and communicate uh, outside of their comfort zone or their in groups. Well, it's a very cool idea. And so for anyone who wants to participate, how do they do it? Well, um, there's a website, partyline.us, partyline.us. And there's also an Instagram account that goes by the same name, partyline.us. And each week we will have a day and time. Um, and that day and time will be uh, nomadic and will change weekly so that people who have fixed uh, schedules can participate when it's convenient for them. And it's as simple as calling in and listening and uh, talking. I, one thing that I do notice about having the set day and time, and this is happening a lot um, right now, is people scheduling things live that you can watch, whether it's a musician performing in his bedroom or a children's book illustrator giving a drawing lesson or um, a kid's book author doing a you know, reading. Um, there are yoga classes and dance parties, but it's all like at this date and time rather than just like, here's a YouTube video to watch. It seems like people very much want to be connected in real time right now. So it's like a return to kind of scheduled uh, entertainment where we've gotten so used to a la carte um, whenever you feel like listening to or watching kind of stuff. Now it's um, people like putting things on their calendar. And maybe that goes back to that desire to have a schedule when we're all stuck at home. Yeah, I like the immediacy and the directness of having something on the schedule and knowing that it's happening at this time. And that, and that if I don't call in or if I don't log in, then I'll miss it. And I think with so much of our media today being archived and stored and saved, 
I think there's something nice to the idea that it's that this exchange is ephemeral and that if I don't listen and I don't participate, then then that moment's gone. And like you said, like the musician who's giving a performance, there's a lot of things beautiful about live performance, whether it be music or theater, and and being there in that space at that time. And and that can't be replicated no matter how good the kind of uh recording and transmission quality might be. Yeah, there's something about a human connection and knowing that there's a real life person on the other end of the video or phone line, you know, that's like responding to you or at least doing something that you can see happen in real time that we sort of lost in our like binge everything and like have it available at the touch of a finger kind of media culture that we're in. Human connection is 100% what what we're after here. And um when when Kyle and I first talked about this idea for party line there was the idea that maybe, you know, it would be fun to try to get like a bot or some kind of uh, AI interface to kind of, it'd be interesting to have a, a, a touring test on party line and have a computer participate and just be able to see which one of us is the computer. But there are all kinds of interesting thought experiments that can come out of this and emerge from this. I also like that you can simply go for a walk, put your headphones on and listen to a conversation that's happening live in real time and not have to be in front of your screen and and be in front of a device. And that's something that I I know for myself is very uh, cathartic and therapeutic on a human level. That was Jake Matatiao, writer, designer, and lecturer in the UCLA Department of Architecture and Urban Design. Check out his project online and on Instagram at partyline.us. Works in Progress is a production of the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture. Our music is composed by Austin Danson. Thanks for listening. Take care and talk to you soon.